You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here at Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, broadcasting high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and tonight my guest is Kevin Michael Pryor, an accomplished singer-songwriter living here in the Valley of the Sun. Kevin will be with us right after the song from the Fervor Records catalog called Living in the Dark by Valley favorites, the Pistoleros. Check it out. When your friends say they're worried, you better slow down in a hurry.
You're listening to Arode coming at you live. And that was Living in the Dark from the Pistoleros here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you today by the 2019 Fervor Records Music Business Summit, happening April 6th in Glendale, Arizona. Speakers at the event include longtime Elton John tour manager, D.C. Parmet, L.A. music supervisors, Todrick Spaulding, Greg Sweeney, Malia Hall, and Rob Lowry, as well as entertainment attorneys and uh, other industry professionals from all over, including the Valley. If, you're in, if you are an artist or a songwriter or a producer looking for opportunities or just for information to help your career along, don't miss this event. It's free to attend, but first, you must register. To register online, go to fervormusicbizsummit.com. That's F-E-R-V-O-R, music, B-I-Z, summit.com. And do it today because you are running out of time. So uh, let's get to it. With me in the studio tonight... Is my guest, excuse me, is my guest, Kevin Michael Pryor. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am fantastic. It's great to be here. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for making the time. And uh, it's funny that uh, I didn't realize before you came on the show that uh, I know your brother. Yeah. Or that I've worked with him one time. So how's he doing? Uh, he's doing really good. He's uh, living in Iowa now. and, and Where in Iowa? Iowa City. I've played there. (laughs) In fact, I'm from Illinois originally. I think I played every bar in Iowa over the years. But Iowa City, I remember that place. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's been through there with the Black Moods at some point, too. Uh But yeah, he's doing good. And um, they were on The Recording Artist. That's the show? Yeah. Yeah, they were on a little thing I used to do online, which don't tell anybody, but uh, it's kind of being reborn. Shh. (laughs) I can't talk about it. Much. Mom's the word. But if you grab my app, there's like all the information awesome. that I'm sneaking out before I'm really ready to get going. I'll download that. Yeah, man. So listen, how have you been? Really good. Really good. Playing a lot, writing a lot, and uh, just working a lot on these tunes. Uh, got a pretty big goal of recording an album this year uh, with my new original band. So it's been a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. Okay, now you said you have a new goal of writing a new album or rec- recording. Okay, so you haven't started recording it yet, right? Awesome. So what are what are your this? That is a big goal. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it something that's uh, calendared at this point or just talk? Um, well, it's roughly calendared, as in like I want to have Targets. it done by the end of the year. Like I'd like to release it. Mm-hmm. at the end of the year you know mm-hmm. christmas is like a good time to release albums you know that especially year. if they're christmas <laughs> <laughs> i'm leaving my uh, elvis christmas <laughs> covers off of that one okay so. uh but yeah we've already got the songs uh written and uh i've been performing the songs solo for a while now for mm-hmm. um i guess uh going on a, a couple of years that i've been building these building this catalog and <clears throat> and playing them out uh, now I've got a band that I'm working with, and so cool. we're hoping to get that album recorded. Well, you know, I'm, don't tell anybody this either, but I'm building a new studio. Oh. Yeah, and we'll be done in another two months. Oh, who? And uh, I love your music, so you know, oh. if you're not committed to somebody, just you know, keep that in mind. I will. <laughs> but, um, you know, you and I met last fall or winter. Uh, I, we were on the same bill for the Arizona Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Oh, we didn't meet. Right. I'm not, not even sure if we met. I remember hearing you sing going, holy cow, who's that cat? Wow. <laughs> you know? And yeah. that was at Flicka's? 
Yeah, for, yeah, for a little celebration. Francine Reed was there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cats were there. Uh, yeah, Hans. Lawrence Subia was there. Hans, Hans was there. Mark Norman was there. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But that, I think it was the first time I heard you sing. Oh, cool. I was really impressed. I Thank thought, you man, where's this guy been hiding out? Because <laughs> I was unfamiliar with you. I appreciate that. So I'm really excited that you have plans to get a record out because the music you sent me are all demo form tracks. Mm-hmm. They aren't They aren't released. So it's kind of like, hey, man, it's time. Yes. So, number one, where have you been and why now? <laughs> See, where have I been? Um, mostly getting my health in order since the black moves. Okay. Okay, well, wait a minute. There's three or four questions. So, <laughs> so, the, so the why now, the why now is merely, it's just, you're ready, it's time? Uh, yeah, the why now was, um, I guess, my wife being pregnant a couple of years ago, Mm-hmm. Well, three years ago now, mm-hmm. sort of um, inspired me in particular ways to start writing songs from a um, a more positive place, mm-hmm. ra- rather than feeling like they all need to come from pain and hardship and struggle. Interesting. And uh, I still didn't want it to be corny, right? Because right? that's the that's the danger when you're writing a happy. Yeah. Song is you start it? to write it, and you go, okay, this is for a kid's show. We might yeah. as well we'll finish it, but we'll never play it for anyone. Clowns yeah. never left before. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and so I felt very happy with the result uh, and uh, wrote a song called Olivia's First Morning that was uh-huh. about um, what I imagined her first morning on Earth being like. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I felt like that was a pretty cool... Um, perspective or pretty cool angle to mm-hmm. kind of look at it from and then after that I felt like well this is pretty natural for me and this has been missing you know mm-hmm. like this piece is just missing and I need to get back out there and start doing it but I never was a solo performer before and so I started going to open mics with my guitar and just hammering my way through these songs and um, fortunately, I have gotten a, a little bit better at the guitar <laughs> over the. <laughs> so primarily in the past with your other bands, were you were you not playing guitar? Were you just singing? Or mm-hmm. you, okay. Just singing. So yeah. taking on the guitar and singing was a bit of a, a bit of a step. Yeah. So that was pretty huge. Um, to all of a sudden, the whole thing's on you. You know. Yeah. And I've seen lots of people that I love and respect do it. You know. Right. And so. Uh, wasn't that daunted, but I knew it was going to be weird and different. And well, let me ask you a question, because I think that's something that maybe we have similarly. I can play some chords on guitar. I, I don't In certain rooms, I might call myself a guitar player, and that's if there's no musicians there. <laughs> but in a, in a room full of musicians, I don't call myself a guitar. Right. I say I can play the guitar a little. Yeah. Know? So I do the same thing, and, and I'll go do, because people start asking, we don't want the band, we just want you to sing. And I'm like, you don't understand. Without my band, mm-hmm. we're going to have a problem. What do you do when it comes to the solo sections in your songs? Do you delete them completely from all of your tunes? Or how do you handle that? Um, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't particularly care for long, drawn-out sections of solo uh, in a song. I, mm-hmm. Unless it just really serves the song, you mm-hmm. know, and like it's, it's exactly what the song needs at that particular moment. So I don't, you know, set out and write a song like, well, I got to make sure and leave 16 bars in there for a lead break. <laughs> or he'll quit. <laughs> right. 
I don't I don't think of it in those terms. Um, so some of the songs are easy. There's just there's no lead break, so I just keep playing through. The only leads might be a transition from mm-hmm. a chorus to the next verse, or you know. Well, let's say you have one of those and it's eight bars long. So do you dump it, or do you kind of watch people while you play through the chords, or do you say you imagine a violin here? I mean, what do you do? I've um, done everything except the imagine a violin <laughs> See, part. Then I got one on you. <laughs> I uh, I've creatively sometimes shortened it by half. Sure. So there's still a little break there and you know that something is occurring but you you just don't hammer the audience with right. do you find in that environment that you kind of rediscover the songs do they get changed after you've done the solo version um i think they change more when i start trying to uh, work it up for a full band because mm-hmm. i mostly have written the songs with the idea of hey i'm gonna go play this tonight at uh, open mic night at Yucca, or you mm-hmm. know, like that's the the mentality that I have been approaching it with up up to this point. Mm-hmm. So they change mostly when I start thinking, wow, how how is this going to sound with two guitars? How is this going to sound with the bass? And um, a lot of times, I end up getting to play very minimally with the full band, which is really cool because then. The guitar just gets to be this accent, mm-hmm. you know. So there's the rhythm and the lyrics, and then the guitar is just this this little thing on top. It's, it's really now, cool. Tell me about this new band that's going to be doing the record. Uh, we're, we're calling ourselves The Real Fakes. And uh, the, the whole idea behind the band is that uh, the only thing stopping you from being in this band is showing up. Everybody is in the band. <laughs> uh Anybody and everybody can play on the record. You know, if there's a song that that someone particularly loves that they want to be a part of, that, you know, like it's completely open to it. I've already got a few people uh, from around, like Mark Norman and, and those kinds of guys that are all about being on this album. So I thought The Real Fakes is a cool... Um, so it's really take on that. it's a title for a collection of characters that aren't necessarily a touring band. They're, that's going to be the name of everybody who's involved in this project. Right, right. That's a fascinating idea. And yeah, and uh, you mentioned uh, not necessarily a touring band, which is a kind of a key component um, of the idea, because I wanted to do this all on my terms and uh, getting gigs playing out, going places outside of Phoenix, going places outside the valley. Um, I wanted it to be where that isn't an expectation, right? It can happen. Like, we could do mm-hmm. stuff, right? But it's not like, oh, no, we got to we gotta get a van. We got to get on the road. We got to get out there. Like We got to, we got to, we got to. That's just not, <laughs> not where this is going, you know what I mean? Right. So I want to record some albums, put them out there, hopefully people like them, you know, but I'm not trying to tour the world and shove it in people's faces. Mm-hmm. So the real fakes. The real is, fakes. The, is there a core group of guys that's going to play the rhythm section in your on your record? Yeah. Um, it is Dave Lewis 
Um, he works with me at Fender. He was a bass player for Source Victoria for a long time. Uh, we've also got David Libman. Uh, he's the drummer, and he's played with numerous acts around. I think right now the main uh, person he's playing with is Blaine Long. And we've got Rob Myrick on keys. And he is new to the scene, but he has played with so many people already. It's crazy. He's just been all over the place. He's played with Ghetto Cowgirl, The Black Moods, uh, Me, Moons, Birds, and Monsters. Jeez, uh, I can't even think of all of the people that mm -hmm. have heard him and then been like, can you come play with us too? <laughs> That's cool. So his ticket's pretty full. <laughs> and then uh, Jared Compton is playing guitar. Um, he's from the band Moons, Birds, and Monsters. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, that one of the guys works with you at Fender, so I guess I can say, I can figure out you work at Fender. I do, yes. What are you doing over there? I'm a quality assurance engineer. Okay. Describe that gig. <laughs> uh, besides you have to pick up guitars being and play them amazingly cool, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I I work for the amps uh, section, and I okay. uh, work for the digital um, the digital team on that. So, yeah, all the digital stuff that's coming through, like all the I don't know if you saw any of the stuff from Nam this year, but the modeling amps that Fender has now called the Mustang and the Rumble for the guitar and bass, respectively. Mm -hmm. Uh working on those so do you, as a con, effects as a, pedals as a quality that. assurance character do you have an opportunity to see this stuff before they're ready to put it out yes and in that's most gotta be in exciting. most cases way before or, that's got to be exciting it is i mean that that's really cool and and not just to be able to see it but be able to affect it be that's able what to, i mean give some feedback and because yeah. you know what the customer base is responding to better than the guys in the shop or better than the guys who are designing. In some cases, yeah. I mean, we've got some really great people in the product mm -hmm. development department that decide, you know, um, what those things are going to be, uh, what the, the market needs and what the musicians need. But when I listen to it, I can tell you I would use that or no, I wouldn't. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of times that matters. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't matter if I would use it or not, you know, but um, the opportunity to affect those things is there. Mm -hmm. And Well, now let me ask you this. Maybe it's a Fender secret so you can't answer, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. I've got uh, a Hot Rod Deluxe and a, and, a, and a Telecaster and a Stratocaster, and I, I mean, I'm a fan. But there's a lot of buzz about these Tonewood amps. Has Fender got anything uh, in mind coming down the line that's going to be an implant in your acoustic guitar with reverbs and delays because um, that's a pretty cool thing and I don't know where the patents cross lines but pretty soon I would imagine everybody will be doing that yeah I'm not sure what their plans are um, but we just came out with this acoustasonic telecaster have you mm -hmm. seen that no um, it's got it's, an, it's a telecaster and it's hollow body so it plays like it's an acoustic, cool. <laughs> and it's got um, a preamp in it uh, that I believe it's Fishman, Fishman preamp okay. in it, and it's got um, acoustic impulse response uh, things in it from all the 
different, mm -hmm. you know, uh, major acoustic guitars and these great rooms and all this stuff. So mm -hmm. what's coming out of the guitar electronically sounds amazing. Then you can switch it and it kind of brings in that Telecaster feel and right. that, that electric sound and you can blend the two characteristics together. Cool. It's also got a pickup in the body. For people that do like that guy you were telling me about, how Jake he was, Allen. Jake Be Allen, yeah. On his guitar, yeah. And it it's got pickups for that, so you can cool. do that. So I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if we add in effects and those kinds of things to that. I want to get. Thanks for answering that question. <laughs> I want to get to uh, play one of your demos that you sent me. Uh, one of the songs coming up. But before we do, um, you've also mentioned that you're the lead singer of of Lead Chains oh. currently. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, you've told me about the real fakes. What's what's the deal with lead chains? So lead chains is <laughs> the way we the way we announce it when we're playing is lead chains is the valley's premier Led Zeppelin and Alice in Chains cover band. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, it's fun. I it, love that. <laughs> it's just a fun project. It's um, those both of those bands have great songs. And we have uh, me and a, a guy named Zach O'Meara, uh, the singer from Moons, Birds, and Monsters. And uh, we can do that vocal interplay that Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley do. And then we can also share the Robert Plant parts pretty well. Mm -hmm. And with that kind of skill on the table it was just like let's do all these really difficult amazingly vocal centric songs <laughs> very cool and uh and so yeah we just have a really good time doing it so when's the next uh, lead chains gig may 4th at rock bar may 4th at rock bar it sounds to me like a show to be at yes sir that's gonna be fun that'll be fun and so we, since we can't really go out and see uh -huh. the real fakes yet because they're not really the real fakes they're kind of like the fake real fakes right now at the moment <laughs> i hope to have our first gig in april okay cool so that's not solid but potentially potentially yeah awesome that'll be a fun one too uh let me ask you this then is there a place in, planned for that gig um no no place is planned um asking around except maybe the rogue bar okay. you know the rogue bar no. is about to close I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, it, May 1st, I think, is the day they're closing their doors. So I would love for the Real Fakes to have their first gig be at the Rogue, which would be one of the last gigs that happen at the Rogue. <laughs> so that would be cool. I think that would be really neat. Be very cool. Listen, let's play a cut, then we'll get back to kind of uh, how you got into all of this, including some of the names of the bands you've already uh, mentioned you were involved in. So I want to play one of the tunes that you sent me. And I think I'll let you pick. Should it be Afraid to Crash, or Desert Rats, or Magic? Um, Desert Rats, I think. Okay, tell me a little bit about it. Uh, Desert Rats is about my experience with all of the, I don't know what the politically correct term would be. Don't worry, we're you not know, like all of the the dregs of society right mm -hmm. you know the the homeless and the downtrodden and the the people mm -hmm. that are out there and uh, especially here so, seems to be something about the desert that really 
adds a hint of desperation mm. to to their approach and True. and they they all need something from someone and um, ultimately what they really need is to feel like they matter like they're not ineffectual or insignificant you know like um the chorus says uh value me hmm. right Have, do you know brian smith oh i should the name sounds really familiar brian well, he, smith yeah well he's he's has a book called spence saints that's out now hmm. and uh, another one called uh, tucson salvage we need to connect this song with those guys and see if there isn't some interest in doing something together okay very very cool awesome so let's check out Desert Rats here on the Auto D Show. And this is just a rough demo. You recorded at your house or? Yep, I uh, did it at my house doing USB recording and, you know, cool. all that. <laughs> the way records are made today. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's check it out. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Otto Daniolo. Often, people I meet seem confused about what it is I actually do for a living. All I can say is grab my app. It's free in your app store. Just search Otto D. That's O-T-T-O-D. And then you'll have my whole story, from trumpet to guitar to platinum records and the movie business. In the app, you can stream my music, view a constantly updated concert schedule, and even land work on one of my projects, because that's where I post the job opportunities. You can also stream this podcast and stay on top of all the projects I'm involved in. Check it out and share it with the creative people in your life. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to the interview. And that was Desert Rats here on the Auto D Show, where my guest is Kevin Michael Pryor. Excuse me. Nice tune. Thank you. Thank you. I hmm. hope that the demo was <laughs> good enough. <laughs> well, it's a demo, you know, and you yeah. said so. But it's a nice song. I, I, you know, the whole time I was listening to it, I kept, I kept wandering back to a remark you had made about your daughter and thinking the first time I wrote a song particularly for my daughter, uh, she was probably 14, and she heard it when she was 18. She didn't live with me. And I thought, man, you wrote one for your daughter, like, about her first day on the planet <laughs> and when she figures that out as, as a young adult and realizes that focus that you had for her at that age I think kids are unaware of that from a parent and I think it's incredibly cool that you that you wrote that song I want to hear that thank you yeah um, I wish I would have uh, brought a guitar in that tuning it's like an open B okay. <laughs> an open B tuning is very hey, strange if anybody's listening you got about a half hour get here with a guitar and a <laughs> Uh, but one day I will. But uh, I just think that's really, really cool. And then, um, you know, have you written other songs for her at this point? Um, you mentioned how that whole family vibe or her, you know, your wife brought that kind of attention to you to writing from a positive place. What else are you writing? Um, yeah, I've written nothing as overt as that. Okay. You know, but I, I do slip some things into um, songs that, I don't know, it's just kind of, Hey, I'm thinking about thinking about you, thinking about this aspect of of things. Uh, also, just her being is one of the main reasons that I wanted to get back out and and start playing and sort of reconnect with all of the musical people that I had uh, made connections with over the years mm-hmm. and because of the opportunities that that will provide for mm-hmm. her sure. in the future, and not just with music, but just in life in general. Just mm-hmm. knowing people is a good thing, especially knowing people that do things mm-hmm. and not just you know sitting around or whatever, but knowing right. people that are out there accomplishing things in right. the world and just being able to provide well, that. Speaking of life in general, where did uh, life in general start for you? Where were you from? <laughs> Wheaton, Missouri. It's a little rural town, about 700 people in the southwest (laughs) corner of Missouri. They call it the four states because Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas all butt up against each other right Uh there. Um, Big family? uh, No, uh, relatively small family. Uh, My immediate family was just me and my brother and mom and dad. 
And then we had grandma and grandpa and uh, uncle on my mom's side, a few cousins on my dad's side, <clears throat> uh, a couple of aunts and uncles there any, too. But. Any music in the family? Yeah, uh, quite a bit of music. I mean, my my grandpa made a dobro out of two pie plates in 1938, which I have. <laughs> no, you're kidding me. I, that will make an appearance on the Real Fakes record. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would love to hear that. <laughs> um, bluegrass is, is a big part of um, that side of the family. And my dad played bass in a country band mm-hmm. called DT and the Country Sounds. There you so go. my brother and I grew up going to those shows and seeing country music shows. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, our friends and things also had parents in bands. And, it, I mean, it was a very musical, very musical upbringing. Uh, I didn't quite appreciate it until, like, recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> after being a full-fledged adult, you know, or did whatever you ever, that is. Did you ever pick up an instrument? When did you learn to play initially? I learned to play guitar when I was 14. That's when I picked that up. Um, I played saxophone uh, when I was 10. That's when I started playing that. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you start singing? Oh, um, pretty much as soon as I didn't have a saxophone reed in my mouth, (laughs) I started singing. Um, I started singing, I think, around the time Nirvana hit the scene wow because nirvana was just really huge for me as a teenager and i was like oh my god i want to brood in my room and write lyrics and sing songs you know (laughs) and that that just spoke to me in some kind of way Well, they were they were a dramatic uh immediate shift in Mm, rock and roll indeed uh and uh i'll never forget you, you there are certain things you don't forget and and two for me was i was walking through my living room when Alanis Morissette's first song came on MTV. I was basically running from the bedroom where I'd grabbed my keys to the garage to get in the car. And I stopped and turned around and watched the TV until the song was over. And I said, because I had to know who it was. I always ran the names at the front and back. I said, I don't know what this is. I have to hear it. And Nirvana was the same thing when Teen Spirit was out. I remember just being glued to a TV going, I don't get this. This is really cool. This isn't supposed to be. This isn't what's happening. Where is this coming from? You know, I remember thinking, I've got to watch this. You know, yeah. uh, they're just undeniable when certain mm-hmm. things happen. And, and Nirvana, I, I used to say, and it might, it might not be accurate, but I used to say that the whole glam rock thing absolutely overnight disappeared with, mm-hmm. with Nirvana. We because, and I think in every style. From from the beginning of rock and roll, you have this pure essence of of a creative process, and it's a raw thing, mm-hmm. and it's successful. And then people jump on board and do it because they can. And other people jump on board to copy it. And in the lifespan of any pop style, it seems that by the end, it's nothing but style. There's no more essence. It's, right. And I think that's where rock and roll had gone through this glam rock thing. It got to the point where if you didn't have black fingernails and all the necklaces and all the long hair and makeup, it was more about how it looked mm-hmm. than, than, than it really was about the meat of, of what was what it was all built around. And Nirvana came when that tree was really big yes. with none of it and just had this raw essence again. And it was like, crush. Yeah. Then what happens? Everybody starts to be like it. Everybody copies it. And all of a sudden, it's only about style. Right. It's just the natural path, pop right. path of a, of, a, 
of a new thing. But they were the they were that birth, and it was. I think it's what we do to everything, said. really. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, as a culture, as a culture, maybe American, maybe it's specific to America. I don't know, but we tend to just grab whatever we love and squeeze it like Lenny from <laughs> of Mice and Men. Until there's just nothing Those left. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would I would agree that it's it's probably American, but I think it's part of it isn't so much that we squeeze it because we love it. I think our business sense uh, has no sense mm. of what's what would really work, that's, and they copy anything that does. That's a good and point. so what you really have are fabricated pretends. In the end, everyone's everyone's going after a target, never looking for the authentic essence in the beginning. They're merely going after the target that worked. So let's make one like it and change this. That's a really good point. And like in the 60s, it was more like if you were doing something different as a musician, people would go, that's really cool. We've never heard that. That's strange. And today they're yeah. like, if you're doing something different, they're like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, There's no interest in new. Right. So it's a different battle. It's a different combat, I think, in the, the way the pop world works these days. But the beautiful thing, I think, about the digital era is now those gatekeepers are really gone between the audience and the music makers, and there's a lot more stuff out there. Right. And so things can kind of seep up and creep through. Right. And the audience can decide yeah. what, it, what, is, what they're going to grab yeah. onto now rather you than have just people having it shoved down your where throat. Where we all have you know? different music we love. Where we all are introducing people to songs we've never heard because there's so much out there. Mm -hmm. that, and that way it's kind of a good thing. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when did you put your first band together and start to do original music? Um, so it was in 1995. I was 15. Um, me and my brother got together with Josh Kennedy from down the street. I know Josh from <laughs> down the street. So you guys were all living together. <laughs> yep, yeah. So you played, you played really like small. baseball together in the street, you know, or stickball or whatever. Uh, no, because um, we weren't really into that thing. What cool. we did together was music. Okay. <laughs> and all that entails. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. And so we practiced incessantly, and then we started getting actual gigs. You know, at the time I was like 16. Cool. And playing out and going places. And then by the time I was 17, we had a standing gig at a bar in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, that we played at not every weekend, but as many weekends as we could get down there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, so from that point forward, it became a professional thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it, we were very serious about it. Was there it. a name to that band? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we called ourselves Furthermore Okay. at first. I and love those names as, as you grow up, you're trying different bands. <laughs> yeah. I was in plenty of really bad ones. I felt like um, Spinal Tap, you know, <laughs> coming up with all the different names okay. before that. So since you were connected with Josh back in those days, so when... when did the Black Moods happen? Did that happen in Missouri? Uh, the Black Moods happened here, actually. Okay. Um, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> here in Scottsdale or in Tempe in the Valley. And uh, we all came out here in like 2002. Uh, Josh and my brother were going to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences mm -hmm. in Tempe. And we met up with Robin Wilson from the Jim Blossoms. And was that, uh, was that exciting? Oh yeah, that was that was really cool, especially because we had met him a couple of years previous in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, cool! At a Gas Giants show. <laughs> okay. And he remembered us. He remembered us, and he heard that Josh and Ryan were at the conservatory. So he said, "Why don't you come work in my studio as interns?" 
And then he took a shining to Josh and said, you know, come out, be a guitar tech. Uh, Scotty Johnson was also really cool. Jesse Valenzuela. Mm -hmm. They all, you know, uh, I don't don't know what, took us under their wing, so to speak. That's very cool. And they kind of let us have the run of Mayberry here and there, you know, (laughs) whenever we weren't being too rowdy about it. And uh, that place eventually became Uranus Studios. And uh, so, yeah, we were there and we changed our name from Furthermore to Chalmers Green. Okay. And that was just a dude's name from a telemarketing call list (laughs) that Josh was working this telemarketing job. And he's like, man, that guy's name is cool. I'm not going to call him. And he told us about it. I love it. And, uh, and and we were like, yes, let's use his name. Let's steal it. <laughs> so we liked his name, and we made that our band name. But then when things started getting a little bit more serious and we started trying to um, get further down the path, we started to think about branding and putting the whole thing together as a package rather than just trying to have some good songs. Mm-hmm. you know. And uh, we wrote a song called The Black Moods, that's sort of about our Missouri upbringing in a particular way, but it's also about uh, the reason we don't fit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we felt like that really fit the branding. And that name stuck, and they're still using it today. Okay, cool. Now, how, how is it that you're not lead singer for the Black Moods? What happened? Well, uh, I have Crohn's disease, and so the rock and roll life, the tour life, isn't exactly um it doesn't play well with Crohn's disease you know you need doctors and medicine and time to pay attention to how your body feels and being out on the road and playing shows constantly and all of that just was not conducive to staying healthy the band knew it and I knew it and you know so I had to take a step back and Mm -hmm. they continued on and have done really well. Josh stepped up and started singing. Those guys are just crushing it right now. Yeah, and he's great. Yep. Yep, they're doing good. Got two songs out on the radio right now. Mm -hmm. Belladonna and Bad News, Mm -hmm. I think. And yeah, I don't see any stopping for them. They're just gonna keep going. Well, if you can, keep writing with us. (laughs) I do when I can. That's the key, man. Well, that's pretty wild. Now. so did you do anything after the Black Moods, or was that a real break for you? That was a real break for me. Um, I took a complete step back. Mm-hmm. Um, went to school, went to college, got a degree in game design. Really? Um, yeah, and that's how I even have the QA experience to have gotten the job at Fender, is through that cool. game that's design cool. stuff. And uh, so, yeah, there was a decade. There was a decade where I was not playing, Mm -hmm. not performing. Sometimes you need the break, and it kind of refreshes you as well, not just physically, but just in your own sense of music and new ideas and and a fresh interest, kind of an appetite again to go back at it. Yeah, yeah, there was a rejuvenation. And it did happen around the time that I wrote Olivia's First Morning, and just decided, man, I got to get back out there and start doing this. 
Now, you brought your guitar in, and very few people do, because we just talk and talk and talk. But I see it sitting there. It's been sitting there for 45 minutes. So I think you should play a something. All right. If you're cool that. with that. What would you like to play? Uh, let's see. I've got a song called Fall Apart Together. Okay. That's, uh, I think it's pretty okay acoustic style. Okay, well, I happen to have one extra microphone here. Here, take a drink of this. There you go. It's for pitch control. Yes, yeah, so I there don't you go. get a dry throat. All right. <clears throat> All right. Go for it. Don't forget it all I'm fond of that day The memory of the time We played cars In the park in a field Out of place when you say it's not enough We can fall apart together Singing songs about the lame Mistakes we made We can fall apart When you say it's not enough We can fall apart together Singing songs about the lame Mistakes we made
track thank you thank you very much i dig that song thanks for bringing your guitar oh yeah man thanks for letting me play it i mean that's cool to be the first yeah no one's ever played a song i mean i i brought a guitar once because the soup nazi from seinfeld was here and he wanted to sing the paul mccartney harmony on some beatles song <laughs> the soup nazi. yeah um, and, and so just he, trying to picture him doing the Paul McCartney. I can't parts. remember. You know, I wish I remembered what song it was. There's some harmony, and I can't remember. I have to go back and look now. But uh, I think it was fun. I, I remember Corby Canada was here, and I asked her what one of her. I used to ask people what was the first song you loved, and I'd go buy it or have it ready, right? And so the first song she picked was something from like a, a Disney movie, you know. And so I was playing, and she started singing along. It was incredible. It was just awesome to hear. I can tell you mine. What was it? The Zombies. She's not there. Oh my gosh, what a great song. You know, they're still touring. Yeah, yeah, they were just at Casino Arizona like a few I, months ago. I saw them about four years ago at Hippie Fest. They blew me away. That they could play She's Not There. Still hit the notes. And not just that, the band sounded like the record. Everyone's playing all these crazy wow. parts. It was incredible. I was really impressed. Wow. Yeah, so, that was the first rock and roll record that was like, this kind is Kind of made you say, I want to be a I, singer. I like rock and roll, yep. I remember I had that 45. If, for those of you that don't know what a 45 is, I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> That's what it was, the 45 from Parrot Records. That was a long time ago. Did you go through your, you folks must have had lots of records, so did you go through those? Yeah, yeah. What, what kind of stuff did you find that was like before your time that you really dug? Um, oh, man. Let's see. Isaac Hayes. Like cool. my parents had <laughs> all kinds of uh, cool stuff in there. Um, Brian Wilson you know, Beach Boys stuff, um, the Zombies, the Hollies. Mm -hmm. I love the Hollies. Uh, Bus Stop is just amazing. Yeah, great I song. still sing that in the car, like, driving <laughs> to work, you know. Song. So That's many. Funny. So many. I think it's funny for people who know you to then know that you sing Bus Stop, you know. <laughs> it was a great song. I mean, it was a great time. I think a lot of things that really capture an energy and an essence emotionally and express it, they're time, they become timeless, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, you, it's fun when you connect with them when you're young and then you just can never let go. Like even with the Hollies, um, what, was it, uh, what, was the long what was the Long Dress song? What was it called? I can't remember. Never mind. I'm having a hard time. Great song. I remember that thing for the Hollies. I was stuck on that. Because a guy made fun of me when we were kids saying, I was singing along, and he goes, you don't know the words. And nobody knew the words. It just sounded like a bunch oh, of sounds. You know? uh, who, well, who did, <laughs> who did Long Cool yeah. Woman? That was the one I'm thinking of, actually. Yeah, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. That was them. Yeah. Was it the Hollies? Yeah. That was a great tune. Saturday night, I was downtown. Yeah, that's about all I remember. <laughs> Waiting for the FBI or something, you know. That's a great tune. So listen, man, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way to reach you? Um, Do you have a, a website as an artist right now? Uh, not a website. I'm just using the social media channels. Instagram, Facebook. I'm on there as Kevin Michael Pryor and The Real Fakes. 
Facebook, it's Kevin Michael Pryor. Um, Twitter is, uh, yeah, Twitter, don't worry about Twitter. I I have a Twitter account I haven't used in 12 or 18 months. Everybody has a Twitter account. I saw a funny post that said, the president tweeted 20 times on Saturday and 30 times on on Sunday. How many times did you tweet? And I'm like, zero. It's like, yeah, that should tell you something right there. But, uh, well, so have you got a show coming up soon? Um, yeah, I've got a solo show that I'm doing as the real fakes, just me, at okay. a Fender Band Jam that we're doing. Um, that's on April 8th, I want to say. Okay. I, that doesn't sound right, but I think it's April 8th. Well, let me, let me ask you another strange question. Working over at Fender... I know a lot of the guys that work over there who are a lot older than you mm-hmm. that are incredible musicians and have been in the Valley forever. Has it been cool to kind of meet some of these guys and be under their wing while you're there? Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's some incredible people working over there. Yeah. Um, hell, Dave Lewis. Yeah. The guy is playing bass for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, you know, helped design the Super Bassman and the Acoustasonic and stuff like that. And just being able to work with those people and get to know them, you know, 16-year-old me would just be dying, you know, right. looking through Guitar World magazine. Right. And did you represent uh, Fender for any uh, amount of time over the NAMM show? Were you working over there? Or no? no, I didn't okay. get to go. We had too much going on. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So do you ever have an opportunity to deal with customers? Uh, Sounds like you're kind of on the other end of the fence. Yeah, I get to avoid that, fortunately. Well, that's kind of good. But I do get to see some of it because I I work with uh, the customer relations people when they have technical questions. Mm-hmm. And I see some of what the customers are having trouble with. Mm-hmm. But Do you guys listen to the famous customers more than you listen to the regular guys? Um, no. No, because there's certain people that interact with the famous customers, mm-hmm. and we hear the the user base, right? You know, so cool. Anyway, I'm sorry, it's just interesting because <laughs> you know what? I don't work at Vendor, and it's a massive company uh, with you know connected into the music community in a very unique way, really. And so I think uh, there's so many great people over there. Yeah. So I just think it's got to be kind of an it's, it's amazing. awesome place to be. I love working with all those people from. Billy Siegel to Haley Lands to Jason Johnson and uh, all of those guys, man. Yeah, There's so many cool, cool people there. Cool, man. So uh, we're basically out of time here. So uh, did we not cover anything? Or do you think we kind of got it all in? Oh, man. I think. Talked about upcoming shows. I think we, we got it all in. But you played guitar for me. I feel like we could keep going all night at this rate though but. well I gotta hear the rest of your songs I'm glad you sang one I love your voice on it and I gotta hear the song you wrote for your daughter oh yeah so you're gonna have to play that for me one day so thanks so much for coming in man thank you for having me it was a pleasure alright well take care <laughs>